And I so much appreciated that prayer, which is the heart of what we're going to consider tonight from Joshua chapter 6. So you're invited to turn in the scriptures uh, tonight to Joshua chapter 6 as we look at um, this emphasis of the Great Commission from this great book. I'm going to read at verse uh, 13 of chapter 5 through chapter 6. So we'll pick up at 5 verse 13. This is the holy word of the Lord. Let's give our attention to it. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. And you shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once, Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to him, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once. And they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, walked on. And they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them. And the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. So they did for six days. On the seventh day they rose early at the dawn of day. And marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And on the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord, 
they shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys, with the edge of the sword. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out... From there, the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua, saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Joshua laid an oath on them at that time, saying, Cursed before the Lord be the man who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall he lay its foundation. At the cost of his youngest son shall he set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. There ends the reading of God's word. Well, here I was asked tonight to speak on the Great Commission, and I just read a passage of judgment against uh, a city. How is, does that fit, uh, the Great Commission, and what is this about tonight? And that's what I want to explore with you. Uh, one of the most important themes that really we need to think about is judgment at this time, and why we are advancing the truth of the gospel. And one of the things that Joshua does for us, which is uh, really wonderful, is that it and, and I'm sure if you went through this study in, uh, in the, it was the men's Bible study, you saw all kinds of typology in this book and things that are happening that are fore, foreshadowing the future of, of Christ's great reign and Christ's coming. Uh, there's so much in this book. I wish I had time to go um, you know, with you tonight through chapters 1 through 5, but we would be here all night and nobody would ever want me back if I did that. So, but... Joshua 6 is fascinating. What Joshua is doing in this particular book is capturing for us the church's struggle to inherit the land before the close of this age. Our struggle to inherit the promises before the close of this age. The giving of to us what is promised. As Peter says, he's not slow to give us the new heavens and the new earth. He's patient. He's long-suffering. We'll come back to that. But one of the things I think the church is struggling with most right now is the sense that we are defeated. That we are the ones being beaten back. And with all the sin and the evil coming at us, it's hard to know how to to process this. It seems like we have little strength and it seems like we have little ability to stop the flood of debauchery that's coming at us and to bring a message of hope to this world that's perishing. I think we think we're like the Alamo. You know that little, that little fortress in Texas, right? I've been there. Um, you know the story of the Alamo. They fought and they lost to Santa Ana, didn't they? But we celebrate the fight. They at least gave up a good fight for a while in their defensive posture with walls around them. Is that true? 
that the position of the church or is that the position of Satan's kingdom? That's what I want to think with you about a little bit tonight. Um, we think we are on the defensive and they're on the offensive. That's why I chose this for the Great Commission tonight. I want to, I want to, I want to take that, that, that thinking down. That's my goal in this sermon is to take that thinking down. What if I told you say it's one of the biggest problems in the church that what Joshua is showing us and helping us, which is the message of the book, I don't want you living in fear. The whole sort of theme of the book is be bold and courageous in this because Israel hadn't been. That's why they mold around in the wilderness 40 years. That's why they face the judgment of the Lord. And so the Lord was telling them, I'm with you. The presence of the ark signaled that. God was dwelling among his people. God was going with his people through the land. And the Lord was giving them and had promised, as he will do by the end of the book, this again is all showing us a type of the new heavens and earth, he fulfills his word. In the last chapter, uh, as I read, a man shows up with a sword drawn. Joshua falls to the earth. And he says, I am the commander of the army of the Lord. All around me, you can't see Joshua, are the, the heavenly army. If only we could see right now, right? Elisha opened the eyes of his servant so that he could see the mountain of the Lord's armies around his church. Are you with us? Are you for us or for our adversaries? What an interesting response. No. I come as the commander of the army of the Lord. The question is wrong. Are you following the Yeshua? Are you following me? Are you following the commander, Joshua? Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Who's out in front of them? Who's leading them, ultimately? It's important to read that ahead of this account. <laughs> So what does all this show us? The, the, what we have in front of us tonight is that the kingdom of God is advancing against the forces of evil and wickedness, and, and he is indeed saving a people to the ends of the earth to himself. You have that captured here in, in short form and little form with Rahab the harlot. But through that, he is also executing his righteous judgment that was prayed tonight, and I really appreciated that. We must go forward as a church trusting him, believing him in faith that God will give us the land. The wicked don't get the new heavens and the earth. We do. It's ours. It's what Christ has merited for us. They get the outer lake of fire. And what Joshua is telling us is something that Hebrews says. He wants the church to think about by faith, Hebrews 11, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith? We're looking at today Joshua's defense, Jericho's defense, excuse me, Israel's offense, and the Lord's victory. Real briefly here. Important play on words at the beginning of this section. Now, Jericho was securely shut up because the children of Israel, none of them 
came out or none, had, uh, none went out and none came in. That's a direct play off chapter 2 when Rahab, when they heard that the spies had come into town, that the city gate was shut. And when they went out, remember, searching, that again, it was said they shut the gate. So this is a very strong imagery that's given to us. The gate had remained shut the entire time since Israel had been seen over at the Jordan and now crossing as that had been made known. So they are barricaded in. The inhabitants are terrified. We know this. The nation's hearts have melted. This is what Rahab said. Chapter 6 begins with, with Jericho in this sort of defensive posture. They are the ones secured. They are the ones shut in. Why does this matter? Well, I think it was known that one of the responsibilities of the spies was to find out, was there any faith in Jericho? That was one of their responsibilities. Was there any faith in the God of Israel? All the nations had heard. And there was, lo and, lo and behold, a little harlot, a little prostitute, who, remember, had tied the scarlet cord to her window, and a red cord was tied to the window. It was the open window. And what that, what that was saying was, this was the same thing that had happened when Israel was passed over and the angel destroyer went over and passed over the home and they saw the blood on the doorpost. This was the same thing happening. A covenant. They, she was going to be included in the covenant. Her and her family, did you notice, are going to be saved when they saw that little scarlet cord tied to her window. Remember what Rahab said? This is a remarkable faith. The Holy New Testament celebrates the faith of Rahab. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Save me and my household. I believe that. Had the entire city responded as Rahab, they would have been spared. Had the entire city responded as Rahab, they would have been spared. But the emphasis on the shut gate is important here because he's capturing the response to the very message of Israel that had been proclaimed all over Canaan. The Red Sea had been split in two by God himself. They all knew it. They all were talking about it. They all knew of the gospel. They knew of the deliverance. They knew of the power of God. And Rahab believed it. We have heard what the Lord did in drying up the Red Sea, she said. Our hearts melted. What we've been seeing is the nations of Canaan knew a lot more than we think. The gospel they knew. And they had sufficient knowledge. It was well beyond Romans 1. What does Romans 1 say? Even by the things that are made, people are without excuse. They should worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Uh, serve the creator rather than the creature, right, who is forever blessed. What did they do with it? They shut the gate. They shut the gate. Point is, when they shut the gate, a giant barrier sealed them off as a way of stating their final response to the God of Israel. And it provided a barrier that impeded Israel from receiving all the land. It had to be dealt with. It was time. 
And I think what you have captured here in Joshua chapter 6 is that the day of mercy was over for the Amorites and the Canaanites. They had closed off their walls and their gates to the gospel. Remember what the Lord said to Abraham, they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. This is what I was talking about a little bit in Sunday school if you were here this morning, that nations run in cycles of, of iniquity and wickedness and they come to the point where it requires God to intervene in, in judgment. That's what's happened throughout history. When it gets that strong, the nations have, have been, they, 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 they start de developing in the worst forms of wickedness, you name it, injustice to such a degree. Think of, think of the blood of Abel, whose blood crying out to the ground. How much blood was crying out from the ground in Canaan to God that was shed unjustly? It's just what Jesus said when he said, Woe to you, Chorazon and Bethsaida. If the works that had been done in you had been done in Sodom, they would have repented a long time ago in sackcloth and ashes. Notice how he spoke. Such an important point. All of that was always accompanied after a long time of God demonstrating patience and forbearance. Noah was a herald of righteousness to his wicked generation. Enoch preached to his generation there was a time, and then the end came. You mean God won't deal with us this way in America, with the slaughter of infants and the blood that cries out from the ground and from the womb? How much lawless and how much wickedness? Do we want this to go on forever? Look at the mighty works that have been done here. Look at the churches that have preached the gospel. Look at the long time the gospel has flourished and it's gone out in our land. How many Bibles, how many sermons, how many books, how many preachers? Really, it's remarkable. <laughs> no other nation has seen anything like it. What I'm trying to say is, how do you feel about the degeneracy of the wickedness of our times? Does it wear on you? Of course it does. Joshua has been viciously attacked for harem warfare and the wiping out of the Canaanites, but God makes it very clear. He had published the gospel a long time to these people. There were people like Job out there, more than we know. He had a church. And there is a day coming, beloved, where he's going to cleanse the land once and for all. And there will be a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness shall dwell. And notice he emphasizes, I don't want you holding on to any of this. It's all devoted to destruction. You're not taking any of this with you. I have a good inheritance for you. I've got something way better. Do not, you're not taking any of this with you. It's all devoted to destruction. So what happens? Jericho closes the gates. God puts Israel on the offensive. Jericho is given to you. Go. So here's what you're do, to do. You're to march around the city six times for six days. When the ark comes out, um, the priest shall have seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Everyone is to be quiet. I don't want any words coming out of your mouth. You shall march, and on the seventh day, you march around the city seven times. And when you hear the trumpets, I will tell you to shout with your voices at the top of your lungs. You will shout. Imagine... Um, 
each day getting up and marching around the city. <laughs> and the people at the top of the towers, you fools! Think you're taking down a city by marching around a city? Day two, nothing. Day three, nothing. Day six, nothing. All they were called to do was march. Day six, it was last call. Day six, it was last call. All of a sudden, they reached the seventh day. The people did just as they were told. Just when Joshua said, shout, they shouted. And they all began to shout. The trumpets were blowing with all their might. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, shout and the wall fell down flat right in front of them. And they went up into the city, every man straight, and they captured the city. This is the battle that never happened. Really. In other words, no weapons were used. The wall fell flat. And I think tonight we learned something very important at this point in this particular passage for us. Of course it is that everything that we do in this world, before the world, is foolishness. What is this about? What is this story about? See, that's what, that's what um, pastors have to ask. What is it telling us tonight? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Remember when I remember singing that as a child? There's a statement made by Jesus that has been confusing to us, and your pastor prayed it tonight. I'm so thankful in God's providence he prayed about it. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against, prevail against it. What does it mean? What is that little last phrase? The gates of hell shall not prevail. I have a suspicion that Jesus was thinking of this event. It's a direct connection. What has been on his mind? Well, we know. If you look at any interpreter who, who tries to wrestle through, what was Jesus talking about when he said the gates of hell will not prevail? They were, they were talking about, the, he was talking about the ancient walls and gates of cities. Surrounded by huge walls, these ancient cities, the, 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 their, their fortresses, their, their centers of defense, the way that defended the city from attack. And built into the city was a big gate, the wall. And these walls and these gates were the first place of attack. A city was determined by its strength, by the power of the wall and the power of the gate. Now let me stop and ask, how much is coming at us right now? How much opposition to God's kingdom? You see it for what it is. I think it's on all of our minds. The future's scary. How in the world are we and our children going to survive in a hostile environment? And, and what are we all talking about right now? We, we're just hoping that, you know, I think is our solution to things. We're just hoping that the next, you know, political election will change things. That we're all just hoping will be the great solution for us. Who's talking about the advancement of God's kingdom right now? And the warrior who is out in front of us with a sword drawn. Who is thinking about the kingdom of God? And how can, 
in the midst of all this, the kingdom of God win. The gates of hell are too strong, aren't they? Who can overcome? Look at everything coming at us. The evil, the, the, the battle we in, our, 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 our three sworn enemies, the world, the devil, and our own flesh. And what kind of posture does the church have in the world right now? I think we feel like we're the ones on the defensive. Isn't that how we feel? I think any sports person would say you can't win a game by just playing good defense. You're not going to win a kingdom on just defense. Do you see the encouragements here? There's a mighty warrior who's gone out in front of us. The one we must fear. That's what he said at the end of chapter 4. I'm doing all this so that Israel would fear the Lord. And then he said this, so that all the nations would know my mighty hand. The whole heavenly armies bows to him. And when he said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church and his kingdom, what he was saying is these strongholds that have been set up, have been set up by Satan in the kingdom of darkness, are little strongholds against the kingdom of God. They're all coming down. Who do you think's on the offensive, Jesus is saying? We're on the offensive. We're not huddled up in fear. We have the king leading us. His kingdom is advancing. We're the aggressors. We're the winners. Not them. It's just a matter of time. A divine warrior and his army has gone out in front of us and all the strongholds and the gates of hell that try to stop the success of the kingdom of God will be flattened in a moment. We don't fear, they do. We're not in the position of defeat, they are. Again, Hebrews, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. I think this is meant to be a huge encouragement to the church. This is why I chose it for the Great Commission. Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth. This is what he was saying when he gave the Great Commission. There's, there's no way we can tear down walls. But who can? You know when Jesus said that right after he said the gates of hell will not prevail? He was referencing his death. It would be his own death and resurrection. Think of what you're celebrating tonight that tears down the walls of hell that have gripped people. What would his death accomplish? Disarming principalities and powers. Tearing down strongholds. There's a great foreshadowing of that here. Go get the prostitute <laughs> of all people, right? This is who Jesus chose. He saves. Go get the sinner. Bring out the woman in her household. She's in my covenant. Rahab and her father's household in the beautiful Joshua, Yeshua, saved alive. For how much God has been assaulted for his righteous judgment and destruction on Canaan. 
Do you know what we celebrate today? He did, he did the reverse in our day. For a time, when he sent his son, his son made a glorious announcement. When Yeshua came and he rose triumphant over the grave, what did he say? For a time, I've not come to condemn the world, but to save. That's where we're, where we're in right now. That's the day we live. Judgment day's coming. And he has said, go out with the gospel and save to the ends of the earth. It's a beautiful thing. And when he said, my kingdom is not of this world or my servants would fight, if he wanted us taking up physical arms, that's what we would do. That's not what he told us to do. We fight this kingdom battle in what is foolishness before the world with foolish weapons that they laugh at but they are the power of God to save. And they are so powerful, this is just what the apostle said, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy what? Strongholds. It may seem foolish what we're doing. We sing. <laughs> Who sings like we do? Psalm 42. Even a challenging psalm. We sing from the heart because it's God's word. It's the foolishness of the message preached that he says. We march forward. The world laughs at us. And he's pulling out people all the time out of the gates of hell as he knocks them down. Yeshua's fame is spreading throughout the land and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord. We need to be committed to the Lord in these days to live by faith to believe his word, to be committed to the purposes of his gospel ministry. And know this, these, through these weak means that are weak to us, God has, through his son, and will win the victory. The church needs this encouragement today to be bold. Our biggest problem is not trying to figure out how to stop all the wickedness of Canaan. That's what judgment day will do. Hear me, our biggest challenge right now are to be people of faith, committed to the church, committed to the kingdom of God, committed to his worship, committed to the message, committed to praying for the lost, committed to marching through this earth with the gospel until the seventh day comes. Too many people are cowering right now before the ideologies of this age. And the time's short. All outside of Christ is the hard message. Who shut their hearts to him are devoted to destruction. Did you catch they circled six times? And then judgment happened the seventh day. You know that comes from? It comes from creation. God rested the seventh day. And a day is coming when no man may work. But right now we're out. We're up. We're up early. We work while it's still called today. And then the end will come. 
and we will enter our eternal rest. What a day it will be. But I want you to understand something closing. I know we've got to come to the table. I, I, I want you to understand that all these, these, these things that are coming at us, why they're pushing so hard right now is because the kingdom of God is on the offensive and they're trying to set up little gates, little walls. It's all these ideologies to stop the advancement of the kingdom of God. They're the ones in panic. We've got to see that. That's why they're doing this. And if we don't understand this, then we live in fear. Their ideologies, their pushback, everything they're doing is shutting the door to the gospel. And that's why we have to pray and be people on the offensive with the gospel. A day of trumpets is coming. Did you know that? For the Lord himself, one day soon, will descend with a shout... <laughs> With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, he'll even do the shouting on that day. And he will knock down the strongholds of Satan forever. And death and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire by the one who holds the keys. It's his battle. The battle has always belonged to who? The Lord. Therefore, we should comfort one another with these words and continue in our mission and not be a people of fear. Listen, I close with this thought. We're not the ones in the Alamo. They are. And our general is much better than Santa Ana. He's righteous and holy. May we as a church have confidence that inspires us to the same faith that knocked down Jericho's walls so that through faith we too may achieve the same victory through the warrior king who has promised us the whole way. I am with you and I will never leave you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your wonderful word to us. Thank you for the Great Commission. Thank you in a great, shocking reversal. You have sent out your gospel to evangelize the nations, to save the nations and draw a people to yourself, a multitude that no man can number who one day soon will be in the kingdom of the land that you've prepared for those who love you, forever praising you and singing your praise with no more of these walls being erected against the kingdom of God. Bless this church here. Bless Pastor Payne. Give the elders and deacons all wisdom and encouragement. Strengthen this church in Charleston. A great work is needed here. Open the door wide like you did to the church in Philadelphia and bless the work and encourage your saints in the gospel that they are truly and indeed victorious through the person and the work of Jesus who promised.